hello. This is Left Up Dial. My name is Ben. I'm with my co-host, Peter, as we're what almost <laughs> still dealing with this COVID pandemic, as I'm sure those of you who are listening are probably, if you're like me, you're probably going insane having to stay inside. At least that's how I feel like it is in the United States. Uh, Peter, I don't know how, if that's the same way you're feeling. Honestly, dude, I am actually feeling okay for a long time. Um, I kind of like, um, kind of expected it, things to, the way things to unfold. I, um, and I'm actually doing a lot better than before, which is ironic because the world is falling apart. But yeah, uh, I'm adjusting to the quarantine life pretty well, eating better and exercising uh, which is what people should be doing, but I know they aren't. But you know what? It's not that bad for me. I'm doing all right. Just uh, watching DNC and RNC and, and kind of having an almost like a uh, out-of-body experience watching it, gotta say. DNC yeah. especially. Well, yeah, the whole uh, kind of comparing the DNC and RNC conventions um i mean in terms of theme sort of kind of similar obviously with the whole covid pandemic and it was kind of in the you know obviously a big focus on it but uh like with the d like the dnc was for you know since they were first that convention it felt like one it felt like an infomercial because one they had like these celebrities uh, uh i think eva langoria who if you know who that is is an actress and uh, Carrie Washington, Julia Louis Dreyfus. I'm sorry for the fourth woman I'm forgetting, but uh, she's been on TV shows. So they, they had these Hollywood, these Hollywood celebrities. Cause that's a lot. What the DNC they're like the, cause that's a lot of what you think of Democrats, they, these people that, and I, I, I never understood why, Democrats always have these because I always feel like having these big Hollywood actors kind of alienates people. And that's something that I felt like when I was watching, you know, watching the event. Yeah, I didn't really understand why the woman who played a, a detective in Law and Order, like what is it, the Law and Order SVU or something? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I forget her name, but she yeah, was I, I on there to talk about. What is it like? Was it the violence, the violence against women act? I think that. Yeah, something like that. I thought it was very odd. Not saying she doesn't know it or whatever, but why is an actor here though? It's there's some secret background that we don't know about the actor that makes her very relevant to that issue. But it seems like they just picked an actor to do it. Well, and I thought I don't know. I just thought that was really weird. Well, it's a weird marketing strategy because I'm sure people that if you watch it's this thing of like oh this person's been on a famous tv show like law and order or you know with julia julia louise Dreyfus, she was on seinfeld which of course is very popular but it's this weird strategy of people are going to want to watch this because they're going to know this act they're going to know this famous person that's uh going to essentially be the host or talk about these issues in this part of and that's something I never, because I just feel like, to me personally, and I, I think obviously for us, Peter, this event, obviously we weren't the audience for this 
for either the DNC or RNC, but it just kind of felt alienating and I didn't really feel, I didn't feel convinced about what they were talking about. And I really, I mean, I heard the ratings were way down. Yeah. Most of the, yeah, the ratings for both for the DNC and I think even for the RNC ratings for, for most of the networks, maybe for like MSNBC for the Democrats, they went up a little bit from, you know, compared to 2016, but it, it just, and, it, and this is something I think you, you would agree to, Peter. It felt like it was, with the DNC especially, it was like the nation is in mourning. It, it felt like this grief, the theme, the theme of it was like grief and sadness. And like we're, we're going through a really dark time and we all just need to like, it was like, it was like being on a wake. It was like a wake for a funeral. <laughs> Yeah, like the whole presentation was weird too because I think I was saying this before, but like the if you could imagine like an episode of Star Trek, I don't watch the Star Trek, but it looked like one of the Star Trek shows, like where you like the whole presentation kind of feels futuristic, but it's like we're looking. It's like a futuristic civilization looking back at why America disappeared. It's kind of that vibe, which gave me a very weird impression. And like, like for fuck's sake, they're trying to unseat a sitting president. Shouldn't they be more energized is the question I kept thinking about. Because like, if their ratings are lower than 2016, that's not, a, that's not, very, uh, not a very good sign trying to unseat a sitting president. Yeah, and you know, I guess you could say that okay, with COVID nineteen, that obviously they had to change things because they obviously couldn't have a big rally, uh, convention type. But uh, the way they, the format and presentation, it just it felt really weird and off putting to me, uh, to to us. Now, I guess as I mentioned, we probably weren't the audience. It was more for people that are really in the Democratic, that are really just Democrat, you know, by the Democratic Party. Like you're really, in, you're already invested. Though, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But the thing is, though, like, I think they were trying to appeal to younger voters. You know, they had Billie Eilish on and all that stuff. So I think they were trying to, like, you know, appeal to younger voters or whatever. But like, the whole thing felt very awkward and it, it seemed like a, it looked like a, like an adult swim bit or something like that, or like Tim and Eric bit or like some Key and Peele show bit. It, it looked very weird. Didn't really come off memorable or even, I don't know, like just to goes to show you that like not a lot of people ended up watching it or even paying attention to it. Uh, also, Biden didn't get any kind of bump from that, if no, I he, remember correctly. It, he didn't get much of a, a bump. And they, it was essentially kind of like what happened with John Kerry in 2004. And uh, if you and if you know, obviously John Kerry didn't win in, for the Democrats in 2004. And it's kind of a similar situation because they were, that was, uh, they were going against an, an incumbent president, George W. Bush. So not that, a good sign. Yeah. It's not a good sign. Not a good sign for Democrats at least, but, uh, um, I gotta say though that, that as soon as they moved over to talking about healthcare, um, there was a one activist who has ALS. Uh, a- Adi Barkin. Adi, 
Yeah, that guy. And it, it looked like a, it was a very short segment. And th- that that's the probably the most memorable thing for me. And it looked very like harrowing because you just they just show him when he's relatively healthy with a newborn child and getting diagnosed with it. And then gradually, but very rapidly, showing him in terrible health, just losing his uh, physical faculties. Just They're just showing it uh, in a very chronological manner. And in fact, they even show him like getting zip-tied, handcuffed during a protest sitting. Basically, what they're showing him is he's begging for health care and not to bankrupt his family. That's basically what's happening. And they're... You know, the Democrats are saying, uh, yeah, no to Medicare for all, and uh, we'll do something about Obamacare. Well, essentially, they're going to... You know, they're saying that to his face. I mean, essentially, I mean, obviously, A.D. Burke, I I think he endorsed Elizabeth Warren first, and then he went to Bernie Sanders. I guess they were, I want to say, they were the progressive Medicare for all part of the base of the Democratic Party voter base. But uh, I was in Joe Biden doesn't support Medicare for all. He, I, I remember the video and it was this he did endorsing Biden. And it was kind of weird because he was just like talking to Joe Biden and, and you know, A.D. Barkin said, you know, Joe, um, uh, obviously, if you've been paying attention to me, you know that I'm a huge advocate for Medicare for all. And I something I've been supporting and fighting for. But uh, I know you feel differently. Joe Biden basically it was just like, yeah, I uh, I don't support Medicare for all. So it's just kind of like, oh, geez, that <laughs> that, that it, it it's like, well, how do you how do you follow up? How do you continue? That's a very big gap. And this is something that I believe, if it was mentioned, it was mentioned briefly, a public option, which is basically like there is there will a public option would just be that there's a government option, a government thing that of healthcare that you would have the option to, but they... Yeah, which is it, a bullshit thing, you know. They mentioned it Public maybe options, once. Like, yeah, and even then, it's like a, it's like set up to fail is what I understand. It's set up to get screwed over. It's, it's, a, it's just for you to get like fixated on and hope that something good comes out of it. Anyway, yeah, like ah, that, shit's so, that, that shit was so fucked. If you listen to the music that's being played in the background while uh, the montage of him protesting is being played it's a very inspirational like cheerful cheerful music i wanted to help create a better country for you to live in democracy is beautiful democracy is beautiful they were giving this kind of this motivate it's supposed to be like one of those motivational cheerful like look what this what this guy has done he's been fighting for us he's been a an advocate for Medicare, you know, Medicare for all, mm-hmm. and but yeah, that's but, not what. But that's not what Joe Biden support. He doesn't support Medicare. It's, it's all for nothing. It's almost all for nothing. It's very upset. It's so upsetting seeing it worse. Yeah, and I think what they they'll say, well, we're gonna build off of the Affordable Care Act or the, the Obamacare, and maybe maybe work to a public option, a kind of a government option where people can opt to that will be their access to health care, but. I doubt that yeah, it doesn't, even mean, in their policy. No faith. Yeah. Zero faith in what's going to come for them. Yeah, yeah, because it doesn't um, really look like that's even from 
what I've been reading, some newest stories about kind of some leaks that have been coming out on Joe Biden's policy. The same thing with uh, do away with gov- uh, government subsidies for fossil fuels. These are just kind of some leaks that have been coming out on uh, what his uh, campaign and policies that yeah i mean coming out. it's telling that they took off medicare for all before the convention or like right before the convention they couldn't even make it through that and then, then normally they keep that on and you know they run for a lot while and they change it or they modify it but no like even before the races started race began they took that shit off which you know they're making themselves very clear what they want to do and even with like what's it the even with all this like protests happening with the, you know, the fallout from Floyd and yeah, um, what's happening uh, started in Minneapolis. Now it's starting again with what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, with the uh, basically all over the country. It was a it was a very massive movement and just not a directed movement, but maybe a, just a massive unrest. And it actually, I was actually very happy that it was happening all over the country. And not just in isolated events like in Ferguson or in small places, because because if it happens in a very localized event, it's very easy to just become very dismissive of it, you know, saying it's a regional thing or it's a, you know, an isolated event. But not this time. It was like, at least so far as like uh, the public was concerned, it seemed quite clear that they knew this was a widespread thing and, and again, something had to be done about it. And to kind of kind of talk about that, you know, the whole. You know, police calls for police reform. You know, some say you know defunding the police, but that's obviously something Joe Biden is not for. He's been openly now saying, no, 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 we're not for defunding the police. And he kind of uh, is, but he says like, no, that's what this is what Joe Biden's saying that Donald Trump's for. And to kind of like talk about this whole situation that Biden is in, he he can't really use like with the Black Lives Matter movement that. It seems like they acknowledge their presence. They acknowledge that I understand this is what you want. I can't really do anything for that on policy because they don't see that as a winning strategy. And as we saw at the mm-hmm. Republican National Convention, they were they were pushing that uh, narrative that Democrats want to defund the police. You know, anti they're gonna Antifa is gonna run amok on the streets. Crime's gonna be rampant. But that's something that. Uh, it's going to be a, cha- a challenge for Joe Biden to get over. I mean, the reason, like, not just Joe Biden, but like to to broaden it, the DNC literally cannot absorb the energy from the Black Lives Matter or adjacent protests and unrest because Minneapolis, uh, like the person who um, basically murdered um, Floyd, well, he yeah, the police officer got yeah. to be a police officer. Sir, because Amy Klobuchar basically decided not to press charges against him when yeah. the opportunity was available. Yeah, there, before, was a, there was a when she was a prosecutor. Yeah, yeah and she, the same yeah. thing for Joe Biden, who passed the crime bill and in the, yeah, in the, in the 90s, the, yeah, the, yeah, and the drug sentencing and minimum sentencing, all that thing. And not only that, his VP Kamala Harris is also a prosecutor who ran against a reformer reformer and won and you know she claims herself to be a top cop or something like that so well yeah there's been uh you know they literally can't yeah. do anything about it their best hope is that this unrest will eventually how magically transform into votes for biden which i don't think it's gonna happen and like you said 
Republicans are weaponizing it right away. Like without missing a beat, they're weaponizing it. You know, in the RNC, they had that St. Louis couple on. And I thought like, okay, so if the, I was thinking that if the DNC didn't have as much baggage, they would have some people who are part of the unrest or who are at least somewhat absorbable activists. They would have them on stage at least not have you know cubicles on in behind the scene with elizabeth when elizabeth warren's talking which i thought i, I was like laughing when i saw that it's like dropping a hashtag for, for or the, like they're the, preaching the, everything yeah. happening well yeah they're preaching to the choir it's like you're just kind of saying that you're, you're saying it's it's words it's that's all it is it's just words it's not like you're not it's just preaching to the choir well yeah i mean with uh when i was looking at like the i was kind of expecting them to talk about something related to Black Lives Matter or something related to um, just the unrest and Floyd. And they did mention it, but they just basically just mentioned it. They didn't bring anyone out to talk about it. They didn't bring any of the family members. They didn't bring literally anyone. Well, they, really I, they, I think there, there were some, sorry, sorry. Uh, but I, I think there were some family members of, I think it was. Was there Floyd? I think was it was either, either his brother, the, yeah, the guy in uh, Minnesota. I think it was his brother. Okay, so it was they, they had some, But again, it was just kind of acknowledging, like, this is hap- we understand that this is happening. And, and this is kind of what Joe, what the whole theme of it, uh, the DNC convention is Joe Biden, he acknowledges your pain. He understands. And that's kind of like, the, I mean, the whole nation is now essentially, we're all going through a crisis, you know, with the whole COVID uh, epidemic. And it's like, we're all, it's like we're all in mourning and joe biden's kind of like the guy that's gonna be supposed to get us mm-hmm. through this whether or not with we don't know what his policies are we well i mean if you i have a i have a suspicion of i have what zero his idea are. what his policies are at this point i, I have mean, zero idea what he's i mean what his I, policies are i i mean from the leaks and from uh what his he has uh someone on his campaign larry summers who's kind of it from what I understand, uh, it's going to be a lot of, this is what from the leaks I've been hearing, uh, austerity, which kind of basically means no... Nothing really new, basically. Yeah, uh, Worse, nothing new. Yeah, like, okay, so I remember listening to, like, when the unrest was happening all over the country. The way the Republicans were handling it, I thought was more politically savvy they were quicker about what position they were in when they're talking about the protests because they were like trump was very quick to blame the democrat uh municipal mayors and like state governors you know and they were very he was very quick to basically say oh it's the antifa it's the anarchists it's the rioters and looters and like it, yeah same thing with uh Ru- and, Ru- rudy Giuliani. sorry the rudy giuliani mm-hmm. kind of and he was the former mayor of new of new york during 9 11 um, and he had this kind of thing on uh but yeah just kind of like and he they keep painting like uh you know biden is actually doing the bernie sanders wing aoc wing basically like this leftist extremist uh antifa you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are, or they're, they're the ones running the party. But it wasn't as exciting. I remember in 2016, he, had a, he was a little bit more energetic back then. They fear for their children. They fear for themselves. They fear for our police officers. The fear, the fear, 
I see it. The fear. He didn't shout about America multiple times like he did in 2016. Of America for America. What happened to there's no black America. There's no white America. There is just America. What happened to it? Yeah, just kind of like crime's going to run. What you're seeing in like Chicago, now Kenosha, with all these riots that, that have been happening, protests, riots, mm-hmm. and but, Port, uh, Port yeah, Portland, like, he, that, he, that's a preview of what you're going to see with a Joe Biden presidency. This crime's going to run, run amok. Uh, property's going to get destroyed. Businesses are Yeah, gonna, I yeah. mean, the thing I noticed is like riots happen a lot in America and people generally are afraid of it i mean it kind of rattles people a little bit i definitely see it happening uh, but, uh what i'm yeah, saying yeah. is as if an, if an unrest happens i think republicans get cohesive and defensive and kind of turn out to vote because they they react to it yeah it's a react uh, they're know? reacting to it and they're yeah, they, using, they, yeah. they're reactionaries but they react to it and they kind of like you know they they, they become rank and file voters they 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 march and they vote. Uh, what what, ha- what I'm seeing with the DNC in in the opposite end is that they don't fucking know what to do with this unrest. There's a massive amount of energy demanding reform in various ways, but the DNC has a lot of baggage that they cannot, you know, accept it. So they just kind of drop a hashtag or you know do stuff like that. And I see this being overall beneficial to. I hate to say it like this, but it's going to end up helping the Republicans. Not because yeah. the protesters are, you know, their points aren't are invalid or incorrect necessarily, but because of the DNC, literally, they don't want to touch it. They don't want to be near it. They just want to signal to it because the moment they give credence to a Black Lives Matter kind of like adjacent movements and unrest and just kind of like start looking into reforming the police or prosecutors, immediately Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, and Amy Klobuchar and all those people would get implicated immediately. So, you know, I see it. I see this going forward. I think the RNC will end up benefiting, like at least the Republicans will end up benefiting more than Democrats. Unfortunately, I will say this. And I think you kind of are seeing that. I mean, according to latest polls, I know polls change all the time, but the poll, Minnesota's Trump's getting uh, closer to Biden now. To according to the latest polls, I mean, I know polls change all the time, but the trend isn't looking good. Yeah, yeah, and um, just to kind of, I feel like with the RNC uh, at their convention, they had more. I'm not saying that what they were saying obviously is true or accurate, but in terms of painting a narrative of hitting on a point or like a focus on. This is what you should be mad at, you know. I feel like they hit it better with their with what who they were speaking to than what the DNC did. Gil, uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle, who was uh, on Fox News, and I think she's on Trump, Trump's campaign. I mean, that was one of the moments that I will probably remember from the RNC convention when she's just. <laughs> And this is one of those bizarre moments you see at conventions, and especially this one, because there were there was no audio for the first night. This was the first night, and they were just speaking like a, I guess it was like an empty auditorium 
And I just remember when she was just shouting, like, Democrats want to kill you. You know, the Democrats want to kill your dream. And th- this election is a battle for the soul of America. Your choice is clear. Do you support the cancel culture, the cosmopolitan elite, you know, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, who blame America first? You know, do you think America is to blame? And that's a narrative that's essentially they're saying you're they're, the Democrats are blaming America. And uh, t- the way she ended it was just incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. Fight for your life. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was just, okay. It was so just, I noticed. Yeah. yeah, I noticed a lot of people were saying that like the RNC was like crazy and weird and like yeah it was crazy and weird but it had a distinctive narrative that you can follow like it i don't know i'm not saying uh i agree with it or anything but like, yeah oh, to but me, they like, get... just thinking about it it made sense why they said those things well you know, it made a lot of sense why they were saying it but for the day um if you compare it to the dnc i'm still confused about the dnc and i will i watched it all of it multiple times and i'm still fucking confused but with the RNC, I'm like, oh, yeah, that made sense what they were doing. I, I don't like him, but I, that made sense. And that's the point of what the convention is supposed to be. But I don't know. Well, with, um, the, with the DNC, mm-hmm. kind of, if, uh, if I may just kind of, it was really strange because the voters that they needed to reach out to, you know, which I I would say were probably the Bernie Sanders base, the progressives, the yo- the young progressives, and I don't think they... In fact, I know they didn't do that uh, just from the reaction I've seen from a lot of uh, protesters. I mean, also they had on like these never Trump Republicans like John Kasich, who has been very anti Planned Parenthood, which you think the Democrats, I mean, the Democrats were attacking him like just, you know, four years ago. And now they're having him speak at the DNC convention. And it was also very weird. Like it was like a, a drone was filming him. Right. Yeah, everything just looked weird. And he was that. And I remember he was like like at a middle, uh, like this middle, middle road out. uh, He was like outside at this middle path. It was kind of supposed to be. Oh, I get it. It's a it's a metal metaphor. And but uh, it it looks really really weird. And honestly, I I just thought it looks like he's in like a Seattle and Viagra commercial. It just looked very very weird. Yeah, there was a lot of moments like that infomercial for. (laughs) <laughs> anyway like yeah i noticed the thing about Kasich, and but as i understand it ohio is a very very uh not very very but it's a very pink reddish state and i i don't know if Kasich's endorsement will go the distance because at least the polling is considered it seems kind of tight still and we'll see yeah. i mean i'm not we'll sure see if it yeah. pays off i'm not but, sure uh, how how popular he is in ohio uh and just to kind of listen to my last thing about Democrats using Republicans. They had Colin Powell, uh, the guy who could have stopped us from getting into the war in Iraq uh, during the Bush years. And it's just one of those, I feel like it was just like a spit in the face to a lot of us Bernie supporters because that kind of establishment is just like, that's different. And in fact, that's what Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders supporters are against. And it's just, why are you yeah, having this? I mean, mm-hmm. and, and like, Colin Powell, what is it? They had a whole host of like start State Department freaks and like they had a bunch of like national security people on and like foreign foreign affairs creeps. Like basically they were running they were running ads like that like Republicans would run back in two thousand eight or something, two thousand eight. Yeah. And like 
And at the same time, where they're like endorsing all these hawkish psychos, and then they played, they at a certain point they played this, uh, like you said, it's an anti-war song. At the end of the first, the dancer. Night. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't know the band and the singer, but they played this. Uh-huh. Really uh, weird song. Uh, something. Ha- I, the, uh, I think it's something happening. You know, stop children. What's that sound? It was played during the uh, Vietnam War. It was an anti-war. Protest. Which is very ironic that they have Colin Powell come and speak. <laughs> yeah, well, at that time, incoherent. Yeah, yeah and, just nothing makes sense. Uh, just um, complete jargon. And I feel like we could talk about maybe the like the last like the last day of uh, the RNC. Yeah, the RNC. Yeah, they definitely, I, I would say the RNC ended on somewhat, it kind of started on a high, high note with uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle, you know, shouting, you know, shouting. Uh, they did have the St. The St. Louis gun couple, the McCloskeys, talking about... Uh, I, uh, I, I wanted them to pull out their guns. I, thought, I honestly guns thought out. they were going to like really... Yeah. <laughs> catch get people's attention i thought they were gonna have their guns out I, I, look at my shit look at I all my shit i thought that's what the waving around a gun yeah like, uh yeah yeah they were like uh, from like i remember reading an article saying there were like like 50 or 55 close to 100 gun stores willing to donate their guns to the mccloskeys or something like that yeah like, they're also yeah they're also man, dealing i wish with, they had uh, pulled out their fucking cycle like i wish they had pulled out their guns and just yelled out Look at my shit, just <laughs> like well, that from the Spring Breakers. Well, and not again. It's just almost like I think they were afraid to go that far. They were because even Which with, is do- infuriating. with Donald, yeah. Well, I mean, it's with their. I'm just it's kind of surprising because even Donald Trump's speech was a bit tamed compared to. I then they did kind of lay on that theme of Donald Trump and Mike Pence did this too. Don, you know, Donald Trump, he will be the law and order president. He will, you know, he'll fight for you. He won't, he'll, won't do any kind of trade deals like the Democrats did with like NAFTA, which fair enough, you know, that is a fair, you know, Joe Biden was a huge part of that. And, you know, he won't do away with uh, natural gas fracking and those types of issues, which again, that is, and that's something. Another thing that Joe Biden will have to yeah, kind the of trade deal thing. That's a, deal with when that, he's yeah. That's a hard pill to swallow. And just in terms of like appearance of the last day for the RNC, the Zoom call thing with the DNC was a mistake in my view, in comparison to the what the RNC did. I know there's a coronavirus going around and all that, but I thought the RNC convention looked better. Just because it had people in it, well, it like, definitely it was, it was actually a crowd. It definitely ended better. It definitely left an impression on you. I mean, they had yeah, it looked kind of yeah. nice, I guess, with the fireworks. Yeah, the fireworks looked like a nice state fair. And then they had a uh, uh, this opera singer, <laughs> Holly, the song "Hallelujah" by uh, Leonard Cohen. Yeah, which apparently made them really angry. But uh, I mean, hey, it, I mean, I'm just saying. In terms of impression, in terms of kind of entertainment, the RNC, it did, I mean, I'm not saying like I support them, but I'm just saying as a viewer, it left more, it left more of an impression on me than the DNC. Yeah. I mean, the last, the last night, the way it ended, I thought that looked, that's a decent presentation. I'm not, it's great, not great, but conventionally speaking, that's a decent presentation to end it on. Like the fireworks and the 
the White House, you know, the balcony, and it at least looked kind of conventionally and kind of traditional. It didn't look great per se, but it looked all right. Uh, but appearance-wise, I thought they did look better um, just because they had crowd and it looked a little bit more energetic. I'll say this. There were less moments with the RNC being boring. I thought the DNC had more boring moments. The empty classrooms? Come on, what the hell? That, oh, yeah. that was a really bad choice. I mean, if that's what, uh, if they're trying to essentially say, okay, and then they did kind of trying to point at Trump and say, you know, or people come off the feeling of this whole COVID thing is Trump's fault, which, okay, fair enough. You could blame a lot of it on Trump. Granted, they also had, but here's my, another critique I have uh, as we kind of uh, wrap this up about the conventions. Um, they had Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York on, and that kind of, I remember him saying, you know, this is America. This is the whole, they kind of played on the whole American exception, exceptionalism, patriotism thing where, because he said, you know, this is America. We need to do to mobilize to win this battle because we are America. We win wars. What? What are you talking? We win wars. We're we're still in Afghanistan now after night, you know, going on twenty years now, paying you know billions, trillions. You know, when's the last war the United States won? Uh, you know, really, if you ha- had to, you know, I'd say World War Two, <laughs> basically. But um, also you really fucked up New the New York COVID crisis because he defunded medicaid and that and he screwed up the whole hospital situation you if you know you look up in the new even the, the new york times but even they said the finance the what cuomo did with the whole new york state state funding especially with their medicare medicaid it really worsened the covid situation and i just was so fucking pissed off actually with what how Having him speak and have it's just like you know a lot of the blame for the COVID situation is just, just as much as as it is on Trump. A lot of it's on you for how you handled it. But yeah, that's well, that's what I wanted to also to get across. Um, yeah, overall, um, I mean the DNC was boring, but uh, I mean the RNC was boring, but I wasn't bored enough to do where is Waldo in DNC and find out that behind Elizabeth Warren they put out. BLM standing uh, for Black Lives Matter. Yeah, and- I mean, I'm sure I know. And look, I'll throw, I'll throw uh, their sports bone. Yeah, I know th- from her speech, from just from what I can remember, it was like child. She talked about child care being kind of the core infrastructure and something. And I, I remember yeah, that. I don't believe her. a word she says at this point. In terms yeah. of what they needed to do in this, what they needed to to do. So everything's um okay. So, yeah, like the the reason why I know to disregard anything they say at this point is like every at this point everything is a moot point without Medicare for all. Everything else is a moot point. Like pointless to talk about like like random shit without a Medicare for all. It's it's the cornerstone of welfare and it's a giant gaping hole that can't be filled and like trying to build around it. They're doing and um I think as to kind of wrap it up, essentially Republicans, you know, with uh it was just kind of uh they had a narrative and they had a point, which is Trump's been fighting for you. Yeah, he built the best economy. Yeah, we got kind of screwed by the whole COVID situation. But you know what? At least we're not the Democrats. We're not and they hit it off much better. I don't know what exactly the Democrats Yeah, it was quicker and other than they, were just hand, they picked dread the narrative and yeah. 
yeah. dread and we're all we're all in we're all in mourning is essentially what i felt like from the dnc but we'll we'll somehow get we'll get through it obviously it'll be worse if we get four more years of trump which oh boy yeah. I mean, I could, yes, I could see that being that. I could see that being a point for a lot of Democratic voters that are already going to vote Democrat. But for a lot of people that voted for, you know, Bernie Sanders, I don't think that's going to be good enough for them. Not to mention libertarians. In 2016, they actually took away a lot of votes from the Republicans by a large portion. Taking an example of Minnesota, Trump lost by 1.5%, which is very close in my opinion, because the libertarian voting bloc got about 3%. Had the, you know, say half of the libertarians or maybe like, you know, like 75% of the libertarians ended up voting for Trump, he would have taken Minnesota. And I don't know how the libertarians are going to vote this time around, but it's very, um, if they vote en masse for the Republicans, that's another hurdle to go over. We'll have to see. That's a, that's another one that we need to kind of keep track of. got me really low energy and especially the dnc specifically i gotta say but that did not energize me at all and put me in a good mood of any kind actually it did not make me feel optimistic at all the rnc even with what it was more interesting even though the r yeah yeah well yeah the rnc at least it started off kind of like and look i'm not saying that i obviously agree with what they're saying no judgment on it but just yeah Presentation wise, it was interesting. I'd say, like, yeah. watching the DNC was like, like when you're when it's like way too late to be staying up as a teenager, and you just flip on something on Adult Swim, and you just find this weird like shows. Yeah, That's like, what it felt like looking at the DNC, like at several moments like that. Yeah, like Tim and Eric, or yeah, something like that. It's like a weird vibe, like. And so now that we've seen what the American political structures and institutions have us have all have offered us and we certainly don't want either of them definitely but i would still make the argument that we have to direct a lot of energy and focus at least just be engaged without draining ourselves mentally on the question of what are we going to do about america because i've seen a lot of people after the super tuesday in march when bernie dropped out oh not dropped out bernie well, he kind wasn't under, yeah. underperformed. Yeah, you know, he really underperformed in the Super Tuesday in March. Yeah, because after Super, I mean, as you, I mean, Super Tuesday, even I kind of felt it. Like I was like, oh man, it doesn't look like Bernie's gonna. Doesn't look like he's gonna win because you know when he didn't win Texas and Maine and Massachusetts, so his primaries. I, I had a feeling like, yeah, he's probably not gonna win. And he, the fact that he underperformed um, this time around compared to his run against Clinton. I mean. I knew something was up, something had changed, the demographics or something, the voter base has shifted in some way or something had happened and it didn't really feel good. And since then, I was a little bit early on that, I guess, on that. And I started looking elsewhere to see, okay, well, clearly, I know it's probably and highly unlikely for him to get the nomination at this point. Let's see what happens. And coronavirus hit and I started kind of paying attention to, I wonder how this is going to unfold. And I was 
I wasn't happy about it, obviously, but I was mostly, ext- I was very interested in how this is going to play out at the time. When it was happening in China, I secretly thought, I'm kind of glad it happened in uh, China because I know they can get hospitals built and they can direct a lot of resources to dealing with this. And if it had started in America, I know it would have been a, you know, just a massacre, which it is, you know. But it, it, so far it has been, essentially. It has been. It's like 100 yeah. and almost 190,000 by the time we're recording this. It's like, Jesus Christ. So, which led me to kind of look elsewhere, but looking at other countries, small, mid-sized, you know, countries considered great powers, maybe middle powers. I mean, I'm obviously not the experts. I'm not an expert in every single one of those countries, like, you know, domestic politics, but I kind of got the idea that even if a best case scenario happens for a quote unquote leftist or communist or socialist or democratic socialist or whatever, in those small to mid-sized countries, which most of the world is, I knew like, okay, they're not going to be able to influence more than 10% of their population. They're not going to be able to influence a lot of their population is what I'm saying, especially for developed countries. Maybe I'm under exaggerating, like maybe I'm underestimating it, but clearly feels like most of the developed or nearly developed countries are running on cruise control. They're you kind of like give, control. sorry, can you can kind of like give an example? I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking of like, you know, uh, Bolivia. Oh, Bolivia, I wouldn't say is a middle power country yet. It, it's still very much in the developing phase. It's it's done very well under uh, Evo Morales, um, dealing with poverty and um, maintaining a steady growth and manage. Man, he was doing a good job of managing that. At least, um, got to give him credit oh, for that. Would Venezuela be? Or I mean, they're they've obviously been dealing. Well, I don't know Venezuela's, if I developed. Without going really in detail, but like Venezuela now, whether we agree with it or not, it's in the shape of a proper country, even with people, with their foreign powers fucking with it. Yeah, the, the United States put some sanctions on Venezuela, which yeah, really screwed I mean, up their economy. I mean, they at least have, let me just say this. It's great that they've done a lot of, and it's good that it's great that they're actually kind of holding together. Because country falling apart is never good. No, yeah. <laughs> never. It's almost never good. It's, it's hard to easily say it's good. It generally has a lot of terrible things happen in it. But even then, it's besieged. It's a, it's a, it's a besieged country. You know? There's very little it can do. It doesn't have a massive population that uh, it can utilize. It doesn't have... Uh, I mean, it has resources, but it has, doesn't have other things that could exploit those. And... You know, like, I mean, China and Russia's lending hand here and there, but they clearly don't want to get in hot waters over Venezuela. Certainly not, you know, not enough to risk their own. Uh, so when you consider those smaller countries are either at least besieged and developed middle-sized countries are running on autopilot. And even if you want to bring about radical change overseas or want to support it, it reverts back to the question of, well, what is America going to do about it? Because America always gets a seat at the table when it comes to important issues. Yeah, you, I mean, for instance, and as I'm sure you know very well, Peter, uh, Peter, like South Korea, America is always sort of in the in the back, kind of like, hey, you know, what's going? <laughs> is there uh, anything going on? Uh, oh, do you mind if we get involved? <laughs> kind of, you know, kind of looking over, kind of over your shoulder. Kind of looking, and it's like, oh, what's what's going on? You know, what's the whole situation? Not even, not even subtly. It's very explicit in many ways. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I There's imagine. a clause in the United States between the United States and 
South Korea when it comes to military relations that says that if a war to war were to break out or a uh, conflict, um, a sizable conflict were to break out in the Korean Peninsula, wink, wink, and other places, yeah. that United States military can field South Korea's military. There's a clause that it, that exists there, meaning it can direct the theater of war almost unilaterally. Uh, I mean, technically. It says it needs uh, approval and request from you know Amer- South Korean counterparts, but okay, sure, sure. I mean, that's yeah, technically, yeah. I mean, but the fact that they have it initially just goes to show you what a imbalance of power that exists. By the way, South Korea is not a small country technically. No, it's, it's pretty big. It, it's got a lot of people. It's got a decent sized people amount of people in it, um, and it's fairly. It's fairly developed enough to be considered top one ten percent of the world standard of living wise, and especially in the military sector, it's massive. I wouldn't say it's and say let's hypothetically say a communist uh, administration comes in power in South Korea. I mean, even then, it's extremely limited in what it can do. How would you kind of describe your the because Moon is your is your president? Yeah, Moon Jae In. How would you describe the power administration in South Korea? What, what would you call it or describe it? He's center-left, obviously. Um, a center-left managerial style. He doesn't really marshal the population quite much. He wait, common style that he directs his administration is that he waits until there's a ma- political unrest, let's say, uh, demand for something, or, or not an unrest, so say, a demonstration. And then he acts. And he acts, but he's... Definitely cautious about overstepping his boundaries. Very calculative that way. There's a lot of reason for that, but it's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, he got in, he's made it very public that he wants South Korea to be in a more um, autonomous position uh, when it comes to foreign policy and in a relationship between U.S. But in many ways, he's in some small gestures, in some ways he's shown that, but it, overall, nothing significant has changed. So I'm saying that was, that was that was four or five years, four almost four years ago, um, my assessment. Did a lot of good, I'd say, but still his hands are tied in many ways, unfortunately. America's too powerful. Kind of goes all the way back to the Korean War, would you say, in terms of America's... Yeah, that's the legacy of it. But things are shifting because, you know, South Korea is no longer, was no longer the war-torn country that it was was in the after the Korean War, but it's a lot of barriers uh, in its way. Uh, some, you know, diplomatic and some almost artificial, but... You know, to kind of bring it back to current day or current events, how is South Korea currently dealing with COVID? Because, it, you know, as you kind of talked about how China dealt with it. How, so how is South Korea in your situation been dealing in terms of... Like I said, it, it, it and, has a very... It has a very uh, light hand. It has to be clever. That's the thing I noticed a lot about these liberal democracy, democratic countries. Like they, they can't really have a heavy hand. They have to be very clever about it or rely on technology a lot of times or clever technology is what I'd say. Um, I mean, case, cases are kind of rising again a little bit because of the fact that there was a massive demonstration uh, have taking place when they shouldn't have happened. And churches are, you know, going ahead with opening, holding yeah. services, yeah. even when they're told not to. Well, that's By what's the way, ha- yeah. well, that's what's sorry, but that's what's happening here in the United States, especially in my own state. Uh, we had like these, and I don't know if, but like we have these kind of like, oh, we're in this sort of stage. So a lot of things were closed, but now we're in like, oh, stage four of reopening, and so some things are allowed to go back to 
sort of business as usual. And this is kind of a, you know, a thing America, I've, you know, as I've learned, we have this kind of locomotive machine of our economy, like the free market. It's like, okay, like we can't stop essentially. So when COVID happened here, it was like a lot of, it hit a lot of businesses. It hit a lot of um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that sort of thing. And I mean, that's kind of why South Korea, I think, got a lot of praise was because of the fact that it didn't pause its economy at all. It just, the government was managing it from behind the scenes, you know? That's why a lot of countries, especially developed countries, were like looking at it kind of somewhat impressed because like a lot of those countries ended up shutting down and really hemorrhaged their economy. South Korea, it had some scary moments and, you know, but Overall, business as usual was kind of the thing that I think I were impressed by. But the point I wanted to make was that if you're if you were like um, on board with Bernie's campaign, I don't know what else to tell you. You gotta go kind of like redirect that energy to doing I don't know what, but doing something about it. Well, definitely doing look more. You know, if you care about a lot of policies, things being not just getting- not just electorally, but anything uh because getting channeling that energy overseas is a mistake i think because i've I've seen a lot of people do this but and i've done it briefly but i've come to the conclusion that do not channel your energies overseas and it only comes back to america it always comes back to america with it i've seen people kind of you know direct it or this was during the whole united kingdom thing with uh jeremy corbyn and the labor party and look that didn't that that also did not come to that didn't come out he didn't win either so right i think if you're a bernie supporter you need to focus your energy focus your time especially right now not now that bernie's not the nominee to i mean even though things are bad yeah yeah it seems strategic to me I mean, supporting Corbyn in in ways that Americans and other countries, like other citizens, could was obviously a great you know show of solidarity and all that. But okay, well that was what that was then, and maybe maybe something like that comes up, maybe we can do it again. But in the meantime, don't look elsewhere for a revolution. Is what I'm saying. Because even if it happens, the thing that's gonna you know severely handicap it will be America. I guess. But yeah, because of our America's foreign policy influences. Hey, what's that country doing? Especially if it's a, you know, want to give an example, you know, just look at our under Reagan, just look at, you know, American foreign policy history, basically anytime between 1950s and really almost now. Mm-hmm. And, and now Chile with, you know, we uh, pulled pull a military coup with a, Salvador Milanes and yeah. put it, put in P- Pinochet. On, I mean, it just you could just keep going, you know. But if say hypothetically, you know, we were to get like a Bernie Sanders in the president, well, now we're in, I guess you would say almost in the driver's seat. I don't mm-hmm. know a good metaphor, but now we're the ones, or at least we have someone in charge that could possibly totally change the direction of i don't i wouldn't want to say it would cause a trickle I mean, down but all it would, i'll say is that maybe we won't be in the driver's seat but at least he can if he, he could have paused a lot of like pause a lot of things that were in progress and not only that he could have had access to a lot of information that um senator even senators wouldn't have and he i'm sure he, like if he was actually i would say you know aggressive or if things got tense he could fucking leak it <laughs> like jumped it in some ways like or you know yeah that's quite possible he would he would definitely mar he would definitely marshal the population 
unfortunately, if Trump does it, it's you know it's not a very productive end. But people got like really depressed about Bernie kind of you know going away. But cannot emphasize how close it yeah, was. He, he, no, no other. He's got a, as farther as a leftist, somebody who well, I mean, he, he called himself a democratic socialist. He got as far as anyone has in the United States, you know, election or poli- political history. Mm-hmm. And it was like realistic him getting elected could have been like near best case scenario in my opinion so maybe we shouldn't feel too bad about you know not having a chance to get the best of things because i mean just wishing for the best things to happen is uh the losing strategies but anyway yeah so it's a message i want to leave on yeah just and I'll see what 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 other option is there? Are you gonna just mm-hmm. get? Are you just it gonna? Make, it, yeah, it actually should make you feel good that there's no yeah. other option. Just yeah, gotta there, go back to it. Yeah, there, you, you have. I think now there's just you can't quit. I don't. I don't think, and you can't get too depressed. Just look how far we've gotten, and okay, just just work, organize, and also reach out to any uh, kind of organize in your own community. Anyone you know, leftists, kind of I don't know, socialists. All I was going to say is don't spend too much of your time on Twitter or online. Do reach out. Do try to find people. Hopefully, definitely agree with you on most, if not a lot of issues. Things like even things small, you know, especially right now with this, uh, you know, right now America is in a really bad crisis with things like rent, uh, rent control, those types of things. Because if there's, especially right now, any any time you could be, use your time useful especially right now with this pandemic going on and like you said peter it it always comes down to america because america has is such an influence on the world and it has a, yeah it's like you, that's the question what are we going to do about america is always a question you should be asking yourself because it has um, access to insane amount of resources and even a lot of a massive labor pool and div- skilled and unskilled and not only that, it's got a massive military, which you really can't ignore those things, you know, got to go back to it. Right. And I'd say as far as like Twitter and YouTube and things like that and Twitch, I wouldn't really want to, I, I guess like people shouldn't channel their energy into it. I wouldn't channel energy into it. If it's an entertaining and novelty, but that's one thing, but I don't know, it's just a, not a very productive end. It's it, like, I'm sure a lot of people are doing it not with bad intentions, but if it ends up being unproductive, whether you intended it or not, the end result is that it was unproductive and you should kind of um, think about it. Because like, I would say like, I guess consider it in your head. Like if you take it to the logical extreme, what's going to happen? That should all, I think that should be always be the question. If you took it to the logical extreme, what would happen? Um, or things, I don't know. It's the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's a good point uh, and kind of a, good point good place to end it don't give up organize reach out and uh yeah i mean don't have to be it doesn't have to be big it just has to be consistent just because uh i think what we're trying to do if you're a leftist and you're trying to take over or take over all political action is taking over taking over america or figuring out what to do with america but i think what we're basically doing is nation building at a at a mass scale like never before or not just before we have to start like basically almost as if we were nation building um and i don't know i gotta say nation building is to me when i think about it, it's a crude business and just gotta be consistent sometimes they're not looking for the most epic and radical thing but consistent rank and file people is what's needed at times 
Yeah. So maybe have a little bit of fun, but just look at the big, look at the, try to think of bigger picture and a better, a better future, really. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I guess just stop trying to be epic, I guess. Like, yeah, I've seen all, just, I mean, it's happened with that, like everyone, like, just sometimes, like, you just gotta, like, maybe they're trying to just have fun, but, like, uh, if, if you keep doing it and it's not really getting you much in return, and maybe you might have had good but, intentions, but if it ended up if it ended up being unproductive, well, the result is that it was unproductive. You know, that's not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, use your time well and try to be more, definitely kind of work in your community, too. Try to be more active in your community i think i think that's just anything least, anything just, just work least, out at least yeah, i don't it's, know it's at least a start don't you know you kind of you know right now with this pandemic here and here in the united states obviously hopefully most people are staying inside and not getting not exposing mm-hmm. themselves I mean, hopefully, yeah hopefully they're not getting sick yeah utilize this time don't get too distracted by the election because look it's really out of your hands there's really nothing in terms of you know votes especially you know if there are any candidates that you like you know vote for them uh, just hopefully, be wary of things not yeah. worried about them just be you know just yeah. be mindful of it but just, just, just don't let it overwhelm you and i don't know like just anything but just kind of um for god's sakes just don't try to be epic all the time for god's yeah. sakes don't, don't do that don't do any shit posts. Stop with the shit posting on Twitter. Like, I mean, it's fun at times, but like, just it'd be it'd be more useful if you were uh, physically fit. Is yeah, what I'm and, saying, and you know, because yeah. you can help someone, and I can kind of the other people can kind of rely on you, and you can help other people. Yeah, you can help yourself. You know, it's just you know, uh, it's like it's a corny thing to kind of say, but I don't know. It's yeah, just. A lot of things we got to do are simple and kind of boring and yeah. crude things. Take care of yourself. And then if once you're able, you know, look out for other, go to your community and be, be useful. Yeah. Don't waste your, be useful. Just, yeah. If you're not willing to help, you know, like directly help others, maybe we're just not ready for it, but you can just help yourself in ways yeah. that yeah. you know, what's people generally have good instincts. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good point to end this first episode on, don't you think, Peter? Yep, I think that's good. Maybe right. we can make it more entertaining next time. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is a kind of a work in progress, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, thank you to our listeners uh, for listening. I hope you stick around with us. I know it's uh, gonna be uh, really interesting to see how things play out, you know, as we move forward. Yeah. Take care.